Hey, we want to welcome you back to the Enduring Churches podcast. It's our first chance to record together in 2024, so we are looking forward to this one. And Trent, I've missed you, man. It's good to, good to be back with you. I know that um, people, I'm sure, enjoyed hearing from uh, our wives, but, um, you know, this is the Enduring Churches podcast with, with Trent and Allen, and so it's Trent and Allen again. <laughs> Welcome back. I want to start singing the Welcome Back Cotter song or something. Yeah, you know? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yeah, and I appreciate you and Rochelle um, recording uh, you know, an episode. And Dana and I got to share some as well. But uh, yeah, it's a crazy time. I never expected January to be such a crazy time. But, but it's been good, though. Yeah, so combined, I think our temperatures... Um, are somewhere combined around eight degrees. I think we're about 12 degrees. You're about um, four below degrees right now. So it's cold, but we're inside, so it ain't so bad. Yeah, we're thankful for houses that are warm, for sure. <laughs> thankful, thankful for power that keeps things going. So, yes. um, well, hey, um, you know, before we started recording, Alan and I were praying for pastorless churches. And uh, so uh, today we want to talk about, you know, those churches that are without a pastor. Um, there are lay leaders that are trying to keep everything together. Um, they're trying to make sure things keep functioning. Uh, and so we want to talk about what is it that... Uh, your lay leaders can be doing without a pastor. And there's a lot. I think there's more than, than most folks realize, Alan. Yeah, and it, you know, every church is structured differently, so it may be different people. Sometimes it's just a lay leader who's a leader because they're just a good leader. Sometimes it's a deacon board or a, a oversight board or leadership team, whatever your church organization is, tr church structure there is some kind of lay leadership that is responsible for keeping everything going in that time without a pastor. And so this is really for those people. And you might be thinking that, well, you know, I'm a pastor. What does this have to do to do with me? Sometimes pastors, God calls you to another place in ministry and you're going to be leaving some lay leaders in charge. You know, put a bookmark by this episode and and just give this this to them as a kind of a gift and say, hey, just remember that the time without a pastor is not wasted time and that God can do some great stuff in that in-between time. And so whether you're a lay leader or a pastor, we hope there's something in here for you today. Yeah. And pastors, even if you know of somebody at another church that is helping or leading a a pastorless church, um, pass this on to them too. Uh, hopefully it will be helpful and encouraging at the same time. So um, so let's talk about this, Alan. What should a church without a pastor focus on? Um, well, this is yeah, it's a pretty heavy burden. So Yeah, let's start with kind of the refocus part, because I think there's times when a pastor leaves that, um, you know, you start to look and see maybe some areas that you weren't focused in on. And so when you think about what, what is every church to focus on, there, there are some that's very clear, I think, in the biblical mandate. And that is a church has to be healthy inside, but our eyes need to turn outside. And so everything starts with an inside focus, but moves to an outside focus. And where churches make a huge mistake is, is that in that pastoralist time, all we ever think about 
is the inside part. Well, we just want to protect what we got right now. And that creates a really bad environment for a new pastor to come into. So we want to kind of walk you through the, the refocusing part um, to begin. Yeah. So um, I, I, I got to give credit where credit is due on this first part here. I was talking with a network leader by the name of Bill Jetton yesterday. And he was sharing with me the things that he does with pastorless churches. And so this this first part, he just kind of, you know, the uh, who, what, when, why, how kind of stuff that they taught you in journalism, um, newspaper stuff. This is that same framework. And so, you know, as Alan said, uh, you know, you start by looking at the inside. And, and, you know, a lot of times the pastor will have a passion and a vision but the rest of the church doesn't know what that is and does, hasn't ever put time and thought into who we are and why the church exists. And so that's the first thing is to take some time to know why your church exists. So when you think about why a church exists, the Bible tells us very clearly that we are a disciple making organization. Um, and part of that is to go into the world and you make disciples of all nations. And so it starts with are we developing disciples on the inside and are we developing disciples on the outside mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that is who we are that is why every church should exist um, it's not why every church exists but that's what every church should exist for and that needs to be clear and the the bible has made that truth very simple and it's so so simple a caveman can do it and so <laughs> you might be thinking you're you're a lay leader uh, but you can handle it. This is this is who we are. We are developing disciples inside. We're developing disciples outside. That's what we do. Yeah. And as Alan says that, you may be like, now, wait a minute. Why outside? And I would say to you that discipleship starts before salvation. Um, you've got to be able to teach somebody you know, more about God and more about Jesus so that you can lead them to a saving uh, decision. And so that's, that's part of discipleship is teaching them about the God who sent his one and only son to pay for their salvation. So yeah, the first part is to know why the church exists. And I would agree with Alan, we're supposed to be making disciples. We should be growing our folks that are part of the church and we should be reaching out and sharing the, the good news, the gospel story with people outside of the church. So the second one is may sound weird, but we need to take some time to find out who we are. So when I say that, Alan, what comes to mind? Yeah, you know, every church kind of has a different who-ness. No, no two churches look exactly alike. And so you have to think through this process of, of who are we? I mean, who, who makes us up? What other people? Are, are we like the community around us? Are we representative of our community? Are we representative of a, a larger community or, or are we representative of a, of a sub-community to really figure out who it is? What are the things that we really do well that we really feel like this is something that we do better than average or this is an area where we struggle? But find out who you are. Yeah, and so that... As I think about that, you know, one of the churches that I pastored had a whole lot of um, teachers and school personnel. And so that kind of that directed where our mission would be. Uh, another one of our churches had an abundance of hairdressers. And you may be like, holy cow, what is that? Is, 
those ladies, man, we did more mission trips with those ladies. We went to other parts of the world and they gave haircuts and talked to kids about Jesus. We went to a mission in downtown Oklahoma City. They gave all the homeless people haircuts and we talked to them about Jesus. And so, you know, just find out who makes up your body of Christ and that will help you to identify um, some things that you can do. And that ties into the what, the what are our special gifts and our calling. And we all have a calling. We all have a, a mission. You might be an inner city church with a calling to help with inner city ministries. You might be, you know, a church that has a calling um, to work with English as a second language. You might you might be a church that has a calling to um, do a food pantry, food ministry. But what is our gifting? What What is our calling in doing that and you know you put a note in here about be very specific here so mm -hmm. i think that what we're saying is we've moved from a very broad sense this is what the church is these are the people in our church now these are the specific things that we can really do as a church and right now all the focus has been on the inner inner parts of all of this now why do we develop this it's so we can now do the outer parts Mm -hmm. And so we think about the why and the who and the what, but then there's these other two parts, Trent, the, the where and the when. So talk to us a little bit about those. Yeah. And so you kind of, you know, we, the things we've been talking about really point to the where is our ministry field. And so this is the opportunity to get to know your community better. Um, you know, do some assessment of, and, and ask people around your church, do they know who you are? Uh, do they know where the church is? Uh, I recently visited with a church. They they had the tallest steeple in town. You could see from everywhere in town, but people did not know who that was or where the church was, which is crazy, right? But this is an opportunity to get to know your community a little bit better because that God has placed you there on purpose for a purpose. And, and so you get to know your community, get to know what they know about you, and that will help you to see when, you know, when you need to be involved. That may, it's always now, right? Uh, you don't have to be waiting for a pastor, but that if it's a school that will tell you, okay, hey, you know, there are times during the school year that we need to be involved. If it's some other ministry, it may be summertime. Uh, it will help you to put together a plan, but yeah, you need to get to know your community and get to know how and when to be ministering to them. The time of need that they have, not when you want to do it. Yeah, and the right time now. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things that you can encourage in this in-between time is how are we plugged in? How, how are we engaged? And, you know, I like to say it like this, you know, the Great Commission has given us uh, different places to be involved, you know, locally, um regionally nationally internationally and i always like to remind churches you need to be in at least two of four of those great commission places to have a chance to be a healthy church and then the larger your church is quite honestly you should be in all four but if you can't if you're a small church a normative church you've got to at least be in two places locally and somewhere else to be truly healthy how are you engaging those parts those parts in the in the when and the where because again an externally focused church is a healthy church an internally focused church 
is an unhealthy church. And so it's a chance to refocus on purposes. Now, it's also an opportunity, Trent, if we need to refocus on some things, we need to stay focused on some some basic things that are really important and things that if those things slide, um, everybody kind of notices. And so it's really important to, to, to stay focused on these things. And so um, one of those things, Trent, is our, our small groups and our discipleship process. Um, sometimes when a pastor goes, the church just suspends everything else that they're doing. And that's a really unhealthy approach. Yeah, especially, you know, if it's a small church or, you know, some may call it a normative sized church, but less than 100. Sometimes the, the pastor was the, the adult Sunday school teacher or, you know, at least one of them. Uh, and so a lot of things get put on hold. But this is a great time to evaluate your your discipleship process. Um, my word for this year is pathway. And so I'm all into let's find out what the pathways are to grow and to move forward. And um, so, you know, I think a church that is without a pastor, this is a perfect time to evaluate, okay, how are we taking people through a process of growth and growing closer to the Lord? And so yeah. this is something you can do interior. Um, yeah. Also, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Trent. I was just going to say in the relationship aspect, discipleship happens through relationship, not through programs. And so to focus in on these relationships that take place in, in our small groups, our Sunday schools, our home groups, our discipleship classes, remember it's the relationship that is the most valuable part of the discipleship process. And so when you are, are encouraging relationships, you're encouraging the sense of church health and church unity that is so important in that time um, without a pastor. So it covers kind of it from two angles. There's the spiritual side, but there's also a very practical and real side that goes along with that. Yeah, and I wanna say something about the, the fellowship part of it because I, I've seen Sunday school classes or small group classes that did really well uh, with this and some who really stunk it up on this. Uh, and, you know, those groups who never got together outside of Sunday school time or small group time, never had any fellowship, just fun time, they really did not ever grow close. But I've, I've seen some Sunday school or small groups that got together a lot and they had, you know, they watched the Super Bowl together. They had parties together. They, they just did life together. And that's what really a small group is supposed to be about. It's a, it's an opportunity to get to know each other. And if you're just sitting and listen to someone read a, a lesson, that is not fellowship. And that's not an opportunity to grow close. So we want to de dedicate ourselves to this trend. The next one is that we need to keep a spirit of prayer and expectation in worship now expectation is my word for the year and you know, that we need to have a sense of expectancy in all that we do um as followers of christ and we need to be high expectation in our churches and in our own lives and all those things but you know there's a there's a sense that well you know we don't know what's going to happen today you know we should always be an expectant group of god's people it's when we come together it's not whether or not there's a pastor who's there the question is is the lord here yeah. And where the Lord is, there's power. Where the Lord is, there's 
there is the potential for God to move um, among his people. And so we should have an expectancy that that's going to happen. And as God's people, we should not lose sight that our services should be anchored in prayer. And so these things kind of go hand in hand, your worship time. If you don't know what else to do, make it a time of prayer and make it a time of expectation. And I believe God will move in there. Yeah, I, I so agree with you, Alan. Uh, man, prayer needs to be such a big part. I mean, this is an area I would double down in. You know, if you're without a pastor, this is a great time uh, and where some other leaders can step up and lead in times of prayer, whether it's extended times during worship time. But man, yeah, this is, and what you said about expectation, that is so true, man. If if your worship is only can only happen with a guy there, um, standing up and, and preaching at you, then man, that is that's sad. Uh, you know, I ought to be able to worship and have an expectation of God doing something God sized at any time. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's a heart. That's just something that we're passionate about. We could probably stay there and anchor down but we also need to do some other things and we need to stay focused on listening in this time this is a great time um, to listen to people and to hear what the people in our church are saying and so who do you listen to you know i would say this is a great time especially to listen to the people who are doing the work who who's mm -hmm. serving in your church it's a time to to really listen um, to their hearts and to see what it is that God is doing in and through them. And so listen to people. Yeah. So as you think about that, those people and what Alan said, those people who are doing the work, those are the people that are most invested and um, most need to feel like they've been heard. Um, and so, you know, you think about your, your small group teachers, uh, parents that have their kids in children's programming or youth programming your staff for sure if you have um you know some staff then make sure and take some time and, and ask them some some questions ask them to share what what it is that is important to them as you search for a pastor what is it that is important to them about their church um and so also the worship team uh, if you have a small group or a worship team, you know, take some time to say, hey, we're all going to go out for lunch after church and, and just talk to me. Tell me what your biggest fears are about this process. Tell me what you're um, excited about in the future. And just getting to know those and, and take notes. Listen, don't just talk, talk at them. Yeah, and don't assume that that everyone's on the same page. I mean, this is a time in a church where if you're not careful, everyone can develop their own agenda and go their own direction. This actually helps. But listening helps build cohesion and unity. So you want to be a good listener. We not only need to listen to one another, we need to listen to our community as well. Trent, you told a story about a church where, you know, you have the biggest steeple in town and people don't know who you are. Uh, we, we are in a day and age where the first thought of people is not, you know, hey, where's where's the nearest church? And they're not necessarily looking for us. We kind of have to look for them. You know, so what is it that your community has to say um, about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting if you could take notes and share that with your church, 
you know, what things we've heard from our community, that gives them a better view of who God has called them to minister to. Uh, you're right. It, it's, you know, people need to be, have the opportunity to realize that this church actually cares enough to listen. You know, this group of people, because they, they just hear negative things about church sometimes and they need some positive, um, some hopeful things. So, yeah, listen to the people inside your church and listen to your community at the same time. Those are great things to do. Okay, so we've talked about uh, refocusing on your church's purpose, staying focused on some basic things. Now, that here's the hard part. This is the part where everyone kind of sweats a little bit. And we're going to kind of run through these. Um, we're going to double down a little bit this year, Trent. We're going to go back at some point in time, I know, and revisit um, a, a, a two-part episode we did early on about calling a pastor at some point in time this year. But here's the time, what you're supposed to do, kind of marching orders here is to set a good direction. So how, how can we do that? So Trent, what's, what's the first thing we need to do? Well, I, I think it is to, to find out who can help you. Uh, if your pastor has been there for a long time, a lot of your folks may have never been through the process of searching. And so you need someone that can come in and help you. Um, Alan and I serve as those people for our networks of churches. Um, and so, you know, someone like us, um, if your denomination has an association or a network, you know, calling in someone like that that can point you to resources, uh, that's a huge, huge help. And then, and they'll be able to share with you some things that maybe you wouldn't think of uh, to, to make sure and do during the process. Yeah, that's really good. You want someone who outside eyes can be really helpful in this time. Um, someone who doesn't have um, a dog in the hunt, so to speak. So that's that's always good. Um, Trent, the second thing is is to determine if you need an interim. And I know in some cases they, they leave that up to a search team. And that's really not the search team's job in, in, in my mind. I think someone else should make that determination you know, do, do we need an interim, someone who can come in because maybe our last pastor left under hard circumstances or had been there such a long time that it's going to be hard to replace that person. And we kind of need a buffer in that time. Um, but ask yourself up front and uh, very soon in this process, you know, do we need an, an interim? And maybe that person in that list of people who can help you is either that interim or someone who can help point you to um, an effective interim. Yeah, and when I think of interims, there's two different um, ways. There's just the guy who comes in and is there consistently preaching for you for an extended period of time, or there is what we call a, a transitional pastor, uh, and in what used to be called an intentional interim. Um, and that person is somebody who's been trained to be able to lead a church through a process of healing maybe or planning toward the future doing some evaluation to know who they are what type of pastor uh, that they need um, healing to do all the things we listed before that about the basics and 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 so an intentional interim or a transitional pastor can can take a, a good year year and a half and and lead a church through that process so that they're very ready to be bringing on a new pastor. Yeah, and if you've had a super long-term pastor or you've had um, 
um, a, a, a large amount of hurt, that's a really good time to consider um, someone in that role. So uh, Trent, the third part of that is to make sure you know your organizational process for calling a pastor. I ran into a church not long ago who um, they, the, they, the deacon said, well, we'll just, we'll just take care of it. We'll go look for a pastor. And someone spoke up and said, you can't do that. Here's the bylaws and you need, we need a search team. And so you make sure you know what your bylaws say. You are legally bound to operate that way. So make sure that you're operating according to your bylaws. And if you have bad bylaws or haven't looked at your bylaws, your, your church can deal with that, but you need to do that in the appropriate way. How do you amend your bylaws and all those kinds of things? But know that you've got to have a process. You need to follow that process. And then you, you also want to make sure that there is a good process for operations for how that team is going to work. And again, that resource of people who can help you are, are really your, your best way to make sure that someone can come in and give them a process. And that's something that you and I do a lot. I actually enjoy that part of my ministry a great deal. Well, you know, I've run into several churches, Alan, that that did not have a constitution or bylaws, uh, either one. And man, talk about something that would be nice to have in place when a new pastor comes along. You should work on that. If you don't currently have that, you've got to get that together. Um, and, and folks like Alan and I and others, you know, maybe denominational leaders that you could bring in could help you in that process. But this is a time to do the work, to be ready, because you want to be ready to go, ready to move forward, ready to grow when that new pastor comes along. And this is an area you've got to have done is your constitution bylaws. Absolutely. And then again, your team wants to have a good process and know that, you know, they have a manual or they have some guidelines. This is how we function as a team to move forward. You know, I was talking with a team recently just about one one idea. You know, I hear a lot of times the search team say, well, we're going to bring someone unanimously to the church body. Well, I've seen that clog up where one person wants one candidate, the rest of the team wants another candidate. Well, they can't get to a place of unanimity and the team comes to a shutdown. Unanimous is not really a biblical term, but unity is. Mm -hmm. And the question is, can we get unified around a candidate? And that's the question that we want to be asking ourselves. And that's just one example. Have you talked about that? Do you have a process in place um, that gets your search team to a place of unity and describes that? So that's something that you want to be able to do. Trent, um, you know, you and I get to go into a lot of different places. And so you want to audit your facilities and finances um, in preparation for a new pastor. Yeah, I, th I think this is something that people don't put a lot of, thought into or don't realize that it may be a good opportunity to do, and that is to audit your facilities and your finances, uh, both of those. You know, as you're getting ready for a new pastor coming along, this is a good time to take a hard look at your facilities, um, go room by room, uh, because, <laughs> you know, the commercials now that we're nose blind to things, well, you, you become blind to the situation of your church and your facilities sometimes because you just go every week and you don't realize hey this our church is falling down or we have a lot of maintenance issues or deferred maintenance issues um, and so this is a good time for your leadership to go and take a hard look at your building 
And then that may incorporate uh, an audit of your finances to know what you can afford to do to fix up. But man, I would be fixing up before you get your pastor there. Yeah, that's really important to just kind of take a good inventory and try to think of it this way. Look at your church as though you've never been there before. If you were coming in and what were the first things that you would see and try to put the eyes of a guest on your building and, and figure that out as you're from the time you pull into the parking lot. What what do you see? And that's going to be what your perspective, perspective pastor sees the first time they come up. So, you know, um, you kind of want to take care of it. It's, it's amazing to me, you know, when all these uh, football teams are now recruiting their college players. You know, they, they come in and, you know, they've, they've prepared the facilities to recruit those, those individual athletes. Um, you know, if we're going to recruit disciples, we should think about that from a facility standpoint. Are we making this a place where discipleship is going to happen? And so audit your facilities and your finances um, as a result, result of that. Well, and I would say this is a perfect time to be able to include your community. You know, if a church wants to reach out to young families, then gather a group of moms and have them do your facility assessment. And they will give you stuff that you would have never dreamed that because you don't see that if you're not a new mom. Uh, and so this is a great time to include your community. And then if they see that you care enough to listen to them and then they see you actually working and putting those things in play, then they will be excited about coming and checking out your church uh, later on. So I think that's a great time to include the community. Absolutely. Great, great input there, Trent. And so let's do one more here and then we'll wrap things up. But the la last one here is as you're setting a good direction, that's to plan to support your new pastor. And I think there's two ways we support them. Trent, we support them financially, um, making sure that we know what we're going to be able to pay. You may be a part-time church. Um, but be clear. Don't don't wait to call them and say, well, we'll figure out the finances later to so make sure you've looked at that. But also plan to support your pastor. When you call a pastor, you support them by supporting them. So I'm here. I'm here to support you and encourage you and not to abandon you and not to try to step over you. So to work together. So so those two ways, both financially, but then personally. Yeah, I think one of the ways that we can support them personally and emotionally even is to leave your search committee as a group, as a standing group for at least the first year after you call your new pastor. They need to know that they have a group or people that they can talk to when they're frustrated. Uh, they need to know that they have someone they can talk to when they have questions um, that they maybe can't don't know who to talk to in the entire church uh, plus they're the one they have already started a relationship with you during the search process and so they're most comfortable talking to you as the search committee so i would say part of that is keeping your search committee available to them for at least the first year yeah that's a great way to think about it i love that idea i know that's one you have shared um, several times and it certainly makes sense and something I encourage teams to consider as well. So there you have it. You, we have three things as we're thinking about these ways, um, things you can do as a church when you're without a pastor. It's a great time to refocus on your church's purpose, to stay focused on those basic things that we do as God's people, 
and then to set a good direction um, and pathway forward. So there you go, Trent. Um, those three things will certainly be a help to you and your church because we're here to see you and your church endure. So thanks for being a part of the Enduring Churches podcast. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to catching you on our next episode.